Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to 2152 Project. I am Jason from Georgia. And Mike from Utah. Uh, Mike, we are here today to uh, to record, or we are recording episode number two, um, and, and you have uh, so graphically uh, represented our topic, which is where? <laughs> Let's see, I got episode number two, talent retention. We're talking 2,152 miles apart about it. Yes, and, um, and we're very excited uh, to bring this to us again, to bring this topic, uh, especially after the support and the shares and likes and comments we had on episode one. I've gotten quite a few messages uh, about people being excited about this topic. So um, let's just go ahead and jump in. I don't want to make it wait too long for the content. Um, Work-based learning as a talent retention strategy. What, what does that mean to you, Mike? Well, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there's, it's really, you have to teach the buy-in side of, of what talent retention is all about. Because last week we talked about how do we identify the talent? How do we connect it? but then how do we retain it? And so today it's going to be more focused on that. It, it's, it's after that first connection, how do we keep yeah. them on? Um, and then how can we, we start to really fill those pipelines long-term? What do you think? Yeah. Um, pipelines is one of mine and your favorite topics. And um, I think if we, this is a perfect sequel to what we talked about last time and work with something as a competitive advantage. Um, if you don't have a strategy to, to keep these kids long-term, you're forfeiting a lot of that competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. um, you're just kind of, you're, you're investing in that. And that's one of the things that when you talk with a business that has a vision for this, they've identified the problem. You know, they've gone through and said, look, we're having a labor shortage. We need access to new talent. If that company doesn't have vision to retain that talent, then, the, then, then it's just a short-term solution. Uh, but typically that the companies who have enough vision to look down the road and see a talent, a, a, a a labor shortage in their industry coming also has enough vision to say, all right, we're going to get access to this talent by using a work-based learning program like Jason or Mike's or anybody else's. Uh, but they also have a vision to learn how to retain that talent, to have a strategy to retain that talent. So um, I'm, I'm super, super excited about um, just at least introducing the topic to, in, to industry and saying, look, not only can we give you access to talent and I, I say, we got Mike, I, I want to, take a step back this is not about my program and your this is not the jason van ness show or the mike castler show this is about us wanting to elevate and float all the other work training programs across the country am, am i right in saying that i, I want to confuse our audience this is not us ringing the bell say hey look at our programs this is about us saying this is what we're doing because people have asked and trying to give other programs across the country the the ideas and the strategies on how to do this and to even convince some of our other program work with program their industries in their areas hopefully who are seeing this and give them ideas because this there's no reason for us to compete this is all about giving kids access building vision in industry and, and that's kind of what we're about so i, I want to clarify and say that up front that again like we did last time this is not about us this is just us talking so everybody else can kind of see and glean what they want yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, when there's buy-in on both, on both, on both sides of this, excuse me, when there's buy-in on both sides, um, that's when you start to find success. And so, yeah. but I also believe that um, to have success with industry, for industry to be able to find the talent, to retain the talent, and for other work-based learning programs to be able to get out there and work with the right partners, there's two key ingredients that I would, I would add that we need to really look at. And one of them is you have to figure out um, logically, you know, where the company's at, right? What, what are their needs? 
And then when you've, when you've matched those needs, how do you sustain that success with a company? And usually um, if it, if it dries out pretty quick, it's because there's, there's not this emotional piece, that emotional buy-in that kind of marries those two together. A quick example of that is we've all been told, let's not lie to ourselves that we got to eat healthy. We got to eat our fruits and vegetables and, and things like that. Uh, We all recognize it, but why do we skip exercise? Why do we skip those, you know, those things that make us feel better, right? It's because there's just not that emotional piece. Sometimes it's like, well, logically, yeah, I'm not going to argue it, but emotionally I'd rather just sleep in or just go get something else done. Yeah. Which could be a lack of discipline. I mean, and I think that correlates to what happens with an industry is or or maybe not like this but a lack of follow-through is a better idea a better word to say is you have the vision to do these things but you don't lay the protocols in place to follow through which means you get access to talent but you never get all the way down to the full competitive advantage because you don't have a strategy to retain the talent you get access to i love that's a great point mike great point mike you know years back i um i was i was taking some college classes i had three kids at the time i've got four now but three at a time. And uh, my wife's like, hey, why don't I just drop you off over at the university and then we'll just come pick you up after class. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So she drops me off. And um, a few minutes later, I get a call and she says, Mike, we, we've just been hit. We, we just got into an accident. We just got T-boned. And um, immediately I just went into panic mode. And I said yeah. to my professor, I said, hey, my wife just got in an accident. What? And he goes, get out of here, go. And, and so I just start running um, as fast as I can to, to where the accident is. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was only just, you know, a mile or two miles away. I mean, it wasn't too far away. Um, but I just remember there's a point where I just got gassed, um, where all of a sudden I was just like, <sighs> I was just like leaning over. I was like, I could see down where, where the accident was. I could see my wife. Yeah. I could see my kids. I could see the wreck. Um, but there's nothing I could do about it because you physically I was met too your, out of you shape. physically hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, um, all of a sudden I realized like that's embarrassing and I need to be able to take care of my family or at least be there to support them when, when they need it. Yeah. And so I remember at the time just going out every day, exercising, eating better, and just getting to the point where I could, I could handle those things. I could run as far as I wanted to um, so I could be there. But okay. what really made that logical piece sold to me was when I had that emotional buy-in. Mm-hmm. And in work-based learning, I think there's, there's a lot of that. Now, you talk about full, full up, I can't even say it full. It's too early. Philanthropy. Yes. Yeah, you'd say this is not, that's not how this works. I don't and, want business. I don't want business philanthropy. I want business partners Yeah, because and at I, the end of the day, and for people who've never heard me say this, I'll, I'll say it now on the episode. I despise business philanthropy, meaning don't hire one of my kids because, Oh, well, the little high school kids need a chance because mm-hmm. what happens when, 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 when your motivation is just philanthropic or altruistic and you're hiring kids just because you want to give them a chance or whatever, what happens when, when things get tough? What happens when maybe your bottom line starts to be affected? Maybe there's a teachable moment or two. You got to go through with this kid. Yeah. If you're only relying on business philanthropy and the altruistic motivation, they're going to, they're going to, they're not going to partner with you anymore. I want yeah. someone who's the value in hiring my kid because if they do, they're going to push through those obstacles. This, this, yeah. The story you just sold, if someone really has a vision for having access to talent, getting a competitive advantage, and having a talent retention strategy, if that's, if that's kind of what you just talked about in your story, where your family's in a wreck and you're running down, like you know where you want to go, but there were physical barriers there yeah. that, that you hit and you couldn't get past those. Um, for you, it was, okay, now I got trained, get in shape, so that's not going to be an obstacle. For sometimes for these employers... If, if, if the vision 
akin to you seeing and knowing your family's in a wreck. If the vision is, I just want to do this for the good of the kids, that, that, that sometimes will work. But ultimately, it's not going to be a good, a good partner because when things get tough, when they hit those obstacles, they're not going to push through. They're going to say, well, my bottom line or my time or my calendar flexibility is more important than this. But when a partner has a true vested interest in knowing that these kids have talent, these kids can do the work and they see the competitive advantage, they see the increased productivity, Yeah, that's going to cause them to push through. So that's why I always say people are like, well, philanthropy is good. No, philanthropy is good. But philanthropy is not going to float the boat yeah. Yeah. When, when there becomes conflicts, you know, I and, agree. and those are partners who quickly flake off is, and so, so to coordinators, don't recruit based on philanthropy and for partners, push past that philanthropic motivation, that altruistic motivation, and really invest in these kids because it's good for your company, not because it's good for that kid. Let me and Mike worry about what's good for the kid. You worry about what's good for your company. Uh, and that's, that's how you're going to get productive partnerships. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with all that. And also, I believe that, you know, if, if you do start with the one, then you need to, you need to add the other. And so yeah. even logically, like if you have a need um, and we fill the need, but then all of a sudden you don't have a need anymore, then what, right? Your, our program still stops because we don't have somewhere to, to place these students. And yeah. so eventually you do have to kind of put those two together. But do you, you were talking before, you know, we were talking in the past about, about one of your former students and, and getting recruited. Um, and is there, is there, is that something you want to share here? Or is that just kind of, for Oh us? yeah, I, I, I love that. And so a store that really has that, that talent pipeline feel to it. Again, that's, that's what you and I like the talent pipelines. Um, and, uh, I was, it was my first year here. And one of the first meetings I took was with our economic development authority. The second meeting I took was with a company called studio eight, um, designs, their local architecture firm here. And so here's the problem. So let me set this up for you. The problem that they were facing was that we are kind of a hub city in Valdosta. So we're, we're deep South Georgia, like, 20 miles from the Florida line, but we don't have any post-secondary offerings in architecture or drafting. So that makes sense. So we have one of the best drafting programs in the state, even in the country. We send our kids through Skills USA to go and compete frequently um, at the national level. Um, but what happens is we have all this talent. We've developed this talent. We've poured into these kids and they're talented in this area, but they have to leave our community to go somewhere else to a bigger place that offers a post-secondary degree or training in architecture and drafting. So Studio 8 was having a hard time getting kids to come back or getting talent to come back to our community because what happens when a student leaves and goes to Atlanta or goes to Georgia Southern or goes to, to Kennesaw, which is North Atlanta, goes to any of these other big schools that have to have that degree track is those that talent typically stays there, okay? And so that's the problem they were encountering. And so we had this conversation and I'd love to take credit for this because I had the vision for talent retention, um, for having a uh, competitive advantage. And I went in, man, I was, Mike, I was so prepared to how I was ready to pitch. You know, I love to talk about my program and, and, and they kind of stole my thunder because before I could even give them the pitch, Studio 8 had a vision to say, we need access to talent and we need a way to retain that talent. And I was like, well, gosh, that was my whole pitch. I guess I don't have to go into it because you already have the vision for it. So what happened basically is we put a student with them. Uh, his name was Nathan Faircloth. Um, and he's done a lot of promo for my program. He's even been in a national skills USA video for, um, for, for promoting work-based learning, but he interned with them for two and a half years. 
uh, and he was early admittance in the tech, one of the brightest uh, drafting students in the state. So he's now at Georgia Tech. Um, and he's been working with Studio 8 while he's in college. Um, and I don't know all the particulars because I don't get involved with that, but I do know that that he has a standing offer to come back to Studio 8. Um, and so not only is he working there with them throughout his career at Georgia Tech, when he needs an internship or externship or a project, he has that access to them, but they're still using him. He's still working for them in his dorm room at Tech. But here's the cool part about this. And this is what I love, especially if you're listening and you're a coordinator from a small rural community. I'm not really rural. If it weren't for Moody Air Force Base, I probably would be a rural community um, or I would be. But if you're a small rural community looking to compete with those metro areas, this is what I love, Mike. So, so tell me if this makes sense. For the first time ever in, in the equation of we have the talented students in the drafting and architecture programs and we send those students off to Atlanta. When we do that, we are hoping, just hoping to be able to recruit that student back to Lowndes County, to Valdosta. Right. But we have to do it. And we're having to recruit that student away from those firms that have developed around those post-secondary institutions. All those architecture and drafting firms that have that have emerged around tech and all those architecture and drafting firms that have emerged around, or, or, that have emerged around Kennesaw and Georgia Southern and all these bigger universities that have those programs. Now that we've, now that student drew, or excuse me, Nathan has come through my program. We actually sent him off Studio 8, sent him to Atlanta as an employee of Studio 8. And for the first time ever, Mike, those Atlanta firms are going to have to recruit him away from us. So we flipped yeah. the script. That's yeah. cool. That, yeah. that, and that, that, mean, that makes me smile. I saw you just kind of smile because that's, just, that's a win. For not just it for is. me in my program and not just for Studio 8, but now for, for that student, Nathan has an opportunity to come back to where he's from He's already got a standing job offer. And, and our community wins because this is a student we, before these partnerships with what we're starting in the industry in my area, Nathan is a student we would never have had a shot at. And Studio 8 even says that. Studio 8 says we would have never had a shot at Nathan if it weren't for the partnership that we had with, with work by Learning. So maybe a little bit longer, a little bit more detail than you wanted, but that's the story that hopefully can inspire industry who's, who's listening, man, yeah. Talent retention, Studio 8, my, one of my best employers, had the vision and they made it happen. And we may not get him to come back. The chances are good. But for the first time ever, those Atlanta firms are going to have to recruit him away from us. The default is not. He's just going to stay there. His plans are coming back. And, uh, and, and that's, so that, that, that's a talent retention strategy. So kudos to Studio 8. And I'd love to take credit for it. I can't. They had the vision before I even yeah. got out of my mouth. Oh, I agree. And I, I love talent pipelines. I love, I love how it goes. Um, but uh, I feel like, you know, the, the one thing we do need to focus on, and it's cool that this one went all the way through, um, because yeah. a lot of people will say, well, here's the students, um, why don't you just come talk to them? But what they don't realize is there's so many things that kind of get in the way of employers and education coming together. Um, and so it's, I guess I'll ask you the question, Oops. but do you, um, if, if you were a gas line pump company, and you were to put a gas line in the ground, and you know that it's only 90% sealed, would you yeah. still bury it and call it good? <laughs> no. Why? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, besides well, I the mean, obvious. I mean, yeah, obviously I mean, it will blow up, but, but why wouldn't you do it outside of just the danger? It's going to be a, a terrible, you're going you're gonna to lose your asset. If the asset weren't going to blow up and weren't going to have all these you know, environmental ecological issues, mm -hmm. the bottom line is you're still losing 10% of your, of your product. 
You're losing you product know? and your reputation. Yes. Yes. Well, why, why is it that all across the nation, we build these talent pipelines with these leaks that are maybe 80, oh. 90% sealed. And then we just walk away and we're just like, that's good. Why, why do we man. do it with talent pipelines? Why is that? Mike, I, I almost just threw a chair in my office, man. You get me pumped <laughs> up. So, so like I say this all the time and, and I don't, I don't want to, I feel like I've talked a lot so far, but we say this all the time. What, what other business would be successful if you invested in the asset for 12 years, K through 12, teacher salaries, equipment, meals, all these tax-based things that we put into these students, K through 12, our school systems are the ones who are investing in this asset, this talent. And then right when they become productive parts of our community, not saying that students aren't, but when they become taxable parts of our community, we just let them walk away and go somewhere else's community. What yeah. other business would succeed doing that? Let me yeah. invest all this money into an asset to train it, to develop it, to make sure it's going to be productive and successful when it graduates. And oh, by the way, when it graduates, we're just going to let it walk off of someone else's community. That's the worst ROI metric I've ever heard of. Yet schools mm -hmm. do it all the time. And yeah. companies around those schools should be furious. Yeah. Why? I don't know. We have to retain that talent. I'm not saying trap the kid, but I'm saying we mm -hmm. have to give that kid options to stay local and show that mm -hmm. kid, hey, you know, for me, Lowndes County, you can make a good living and you can work at a company where you're going to have a lot of opportunities for promotion and you can do it at a lower cost of living than going to the metro Atlanta area. Yeah. And we've got to give them options that you can do it in a smaller community. You can do it and give our, give at least, at least as education, we have to give our industry a chance at retaining this talent. So a lot of it comes, comes on us as, mm -hmm. as work, as workforce development people in the school system. Yeah. To, to give our industry the opportunity, but then the back part of it, it comes on the industry. You've got to be willing to hire that talent or stop complaining that you don't have access to people who can do your job and could work for you. Yeah. You do. You're just letting them walk. You're letting yeah. them walk and go somewhere else. So it, it's, we have to do our part, but then once we do our part, industry got to do their part. I'm going to shut up, Mike. I, I'm about to throw <laughs> something. I'm about to well, get me fired no, up. I, I can't tell you how many, um, you know, pipelines I've seen that are just 80, 90% sealed, but there's that 10% that end up causing all that disruption. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks differently depending on where you are, but a, a quick example is on Friday, I had a, uh, Jake Hinckley, um, from, uh, from some rock. I love that guy. I've never met him. I love that guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. And he reaches out to me on Friday and he says, Hey Mike, I have this idea, um, to, to start filling these in-state CDL driving, um, you know, positions that we have. And he talks about, you know, his vision and I love his vision. And, and he says, what do you think, Mike, would you do that? And I says, absolutely. I do that. And he says, what do you think? The, is there anything that's going to get in the way? I said, there is. And, um, and usually in the past, when we've built these pipelines, what happens, uh, we fill those initial needs. And then the people who are further away from those positions in the companies, um, whether they get promoted or whatever it may be, uh, their urgency kind of starts to fade a little bit. And when the urgency fades and we have to, you know, put students out in, into the field and they don't have an urgency, then guess what we do? We go somewhere else and we, and we place those students somewhere else. And so Jake was awesome. And what I like about Jake is he listens without, how would I describe it? He, he, he listens, and this is, I think, important to, to fixing these and sealing pipelines, but he, he listens without 
uh, a conclusion already in mind, you know, so he, he'll ask a question and of course he has an opinion, but he doesn't have a he's, conclusion. He's listening to listen, not listening to speak. Mm -hmm. and, and that's and, something a lot of people deal with is I'm listening because I want to see yeah. where I can, but yeah, that's I was a good very, point. I was very impressed with him because um, I've talked to other companies where they'll, uh, as they're listening, they always say, yeah, but we've tried. Yeah, but, and it's tough because it's like, well, I mean, do we want to fix the leak or not? And so I think a big portion of, of what we have to do is we just have to ask the right questions and, and listen without, without a, a for, you know, conclusion already in mind. Um, but man, let's talk about sealing those pipelines. And then, yeah. you know, because what, what good is it if, if we just yeah. walk away and just go somewhere else and then this thing just sits empty. So anyways, that's, yeah, I could tell that's a, that's a, a hot button in your, in your area too, as well. Yeah. It, I mean, again, it's, we have to get past the, the the pointing of fingers. I think something that a lot of people, a lot of people in our roles might get frustrated because they don't see the buy-in from industry to try to retain that talent, you know? Um, but that lack of buy-in comes from a history of, of us not making that talent available to industry. Yeah. So, and it's, it's like chicken or the egg, you know, like which, which, it's and I'm saying it's it doesn't have to be either one of those. If we can get on the same page and say, all right, starting now, we as schools are going to start pouring in the talent, which we've always done. We've always poured in the talent, but we're gonna start making that talent available. We're gonna start mm -hmm. seeking out industry partnerships. And starting now, industry is going to start looking to this level, at least for for entry-level interns and apprenticeships and building that up. And and you know, you may not have the great success at talent retention immediately but you're having access to that talent and as long as you've got a retention strategy you're going to begin to retain that so I, as i was preparing in my head for this episode i thought of one of my better employers ace electric you know they have been able to generate seven full-time employees since basically 2020 and that's in a commercial electrical construction field that has a substantial labor shortage in their industry. Langdo Forest, which is a, a, a lumber company. Um, I've given them six employees or six kids mm -hmm. um, and, and all six now work for them full-time. Uh, they've got two more students who are working there with them right now and they're still high school. So I'm talking about once they've graduated, they've been able to convert those students to full-time employees. That's talent retention. And, and it, but it takes... It takes both parties, the school yeah. and the employer getting together. Has it been easy? No, it's been, we've had to work through like, you know, OSHA regulations and, you know, what uh, the, Fair, the, the Fair Labor Standard Act, you know, has these, these hazardous occupations, 17 of them. Um, and it, it's taken some sitting down with their HR department and, and working through the issue saying this, the kids can do this, they can't do this. Once they're here, they can start doing this. And there's a wage progression. There's, you know, responsibility progression. It takes work, mm -hmm. but you tell, can you think, Mike, can you think of an employer in your area that would turn down six or seven full-time converted employees through partnering with you? I don't know of any who could say, no, we're good. We don't need that. Yes. They, they I, absolutely, I absolutely do um, have, there's a big, big, big company in our, in our area. That's in a, that's in a, a, a certain anyways, but yeah. yeah. And, and, and here's the issue is they're currently paying $1,500. If yeah. you will send them a, a certain position 
Um, yeah. I don't want to give it away. Uh, and then, you know, I feel like I'm bad mouthing because I'm not. It's just one of those things that what's happening there is, is they're over here paying $1,500 for a referral for someone to come work in this position. And yeah. yet we've, I've, I've sent messages to the CEO and said, Hey, we got you. Here's what we can do. Yeah. Save your money. Said, Look at this. Your, your competitors right now, um, it's four to one for every, for every four students to get hired by their competitors, they're hiring one. And I showed them through LinkedIn. Um, I said, here's their portfolios. Here's where they're working. Here's what's going on. And it was crickets back. And so yeah. my boss, uh, Mr. David Gardner, who, when he was a graphics teacher, uh, was given the nickname G-Dog. And now he's at the point in his career where we call him the dog father. But mm-hmm. the, dog, the dog father has, has told me, listen, Mike, we bring along the ones that want to come. And that's where you start. And so there are employers that, yeah, will pass. But there's others that absolutely, like you're saying, if they're, if they're thinking correctly, they're not going to pass on that type of talent. And so yeah. we bring along the ones that want to come and, and that's how we've had our success and, and we're not complaining. Yeah. And so, I mean, those, those are great stories. And so you, you've seen success stories from Studio 8. You've seen success stories from Ace Electric and Langdale Forest, which are some of my partners. You talked about, you know, what, what Jake Hinckley is wanting to do. Um, but then we also have some, some people who, are, again, who are, who are forfeiting that. Maybe they don't have the infrastructure that they want. Maybe they're trying to get things in place before they make that jump. Uh, but I can tell you that all three of the companies that I talked, just mentioned, every one of them would and, and are ringing the bell for the competitive advantage through talent retention of working with these kids, getting access to this talent. Um, and, and here's the interesting thing. I made a video for the, for the Department of Education in Georgia for all what we're starting coordinators, showing them how we were recruiting and et cetera, et cetera. I maybe post a link in the comments here on YouTube for us. Um, but it's some people aren't um, just don't have the vision for it, but the people who are the most, who, who are accepting of this and wanting to do this. And you'll hear in that video, um, they're not trying to hog all of the talent and you'll hear, cause it's Ace Electric and a company called JCI. Um, and they're basically saying in that video, this is not about us just, just putting a net around all the talent and keeping them for ourselves. This is about similar to how you and I want to float the work-based learning industry across the country. This is them wanting to bring in kids into their industry so that everybody can benefit because you know what happens mm-hmm. to them. And I love this. If you watch that video, you'll hear what they say. They said, if we don't do this for everybody and it's just about us, well, guess what happens to the talent that we recruit? They're picked off for, for 30 cent an hour raise. And then mm-hmm. we've got to pick them off again for another 20 cent an hour. And then, <laughs> So they said, if, if we're not floating the talent pool for our industry as a whole, it's not going to benefit us because we're still going to lose that kid to chasing the money. Yeah. But if we can float the talent pool as a whole for everybody, not just our industry, but for all of our, even our competitors. Now, now, Mike, think about that. When is the last time you heard someone in a for-profit space talk about helping their competitors? That's well, how critical the labor shortage is. Because everything is going to say do Friday that. with Jake. Well, I'm, okay, well, Jake's a visionary. But I got he, lucky. I got lucky yeah, on that conversation. But, but that's crazy. Think about it. Mm-hmm. And Jake's in a very related field to Ace Electric. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that, that construction. Ace is, is electric construction. And I, I know that I've seen, I follow Jake on, um, on Instagram. I'm not Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, but uh, so I've seen what they do in their related fields. But that, that's, that, that's unheard of when you hear someone say, 
I want to do this so I can I can float the whole labor pool because if yeah. we just pull in five or six at a time, we're gonna that that kid's gonna get picked off. Someone's yeah. gonna come and then we're gonna go pick them off again and back and forth, back and forth. But if we have enough talent for everybody to go around, so I'll make sure and post that video in the uh, in the comments for people to go look at. Um, it, it's just it's it's cool to hear them talk about what investing in these kids means more than just yeah. them, particularly what it means for uh, all the industry, even even yeah. their competitors. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, as I mentioned with that company, that that kind of they're paying fifteen hundred dollars. And those those students are like, if you guys, if, if people in this community can find us referral, it's ages 16 and up. Um, what happens is with their interdepartments just aren't talking to each other. That's really what's going on. And so um, if I'm if I'm a work based learning professional, that's that's an area that I got to start working in. Right. And so um, if, if I was if I want or needed this this company to get on board, that's where I'd start. I got to get them talking to each other because I don't think that they recognize mm -hmm. that, that they're kind of their own barrier. Um, but then the other thing that's is, well said, is, man. is that's years well ago. Said. Yeah. Thank you. And um, years ago, we had a, a company say that for years, uh, education has always been the barrier for employers getting to talent. And, mm -hmm. and he said, finally, um, the, the walls are being torn down and the employers are getting access to the watering hole. Yeah. And um, his reference to that was actually, if we go back to episode one, when I asked you, do you think that 5% of all employers or, or that employers know that 5% of all the students in Utah are on LinkedIn? Yeah. And so we've developed this, this watering hole, this small reservoir, if you will, um, where employers can just go fish talent. In fact, yeah. today, um, you know, we talked about a plot twist and what's kind of coming down the pipeline for the 2152. But at the end of the day, it's really about uh, don't tell me, show me, right? Yeah. Um, we got to show the talent. We got to give them access to the to the talent. Um, what do, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, I know we're we're um, excited about you know getting a chance to show our audience, introduce them to some talent. But um, I also wanted to tell you something as you're talking about education being an obstacle. Yeah. Um, or being the barrier. Um, and that's, barrier, something that yeah. we, that's something that we, that's something as we as coordinators have to deal with because, um, and it takes a, someone. So if you're a coordinator watching, I guess this is me kind of sharing a little bit of my experience, maybe, maybe anecdotal, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Um, but we have to be really careful when I go into a classroom, say I go into a welding classroom and tell that welding teacher, I want your best student to come into work by learning. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? Why? Why would I want to give you my best student? Because if I give you my best student, they're not going to say my program. And, 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 and yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a tough sell for someone who's not prepared for it. So we're best coordinator. As you prepare to cultivate this talent, to give industry access to, you've got to know how to sell that. And the mentality is not, no, no, I'm not taking your best talent. It's, yes, I am taking your, most, your best student, your most talented student. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that student and I'm going to put them with industry and they're going to be successful. They're going to crush it because that's because you do a good job teaching them. I'm doing a good job giving them to industry. And then guess what that student's going to do? That student's going to go back and tell all of their mm -hmm. all of their friends. Yeah. And now you're going to lose your best student, but you're going to get enrollment three, four times over because that student's going to go tell his buddies, look, I was in the welding program and I joined WorkBase Learning and I got a I got an internship or apprenticeship at this fabrication shop. I'm doing what I want to do and I'm making good money. Now, guess what all his buddies are going to do? They're going to go join that welding program. Yeah. Know? And so it takes a little bit of vision. So, but I agree because sometimes education can be the obstacle 
we're going through that and we're talking about, uh-oh, what just happened, Mike? I don't know. You see that? My screen's going different. Mike, what just happened? Well, it looks to me like we're getting two people that just logged in. Yep. What's going yep. on? So talking about talent retention and access to talent, who do we have here? Who do really? we have here? Hi, what are you guys doing on here? <laughs> well, we, are, we are recording our episode. Well, we record the fourth Wednesday of every month. What about you? Uh, we record the second Wednesday of each month. This is supposed to be our time to shine. What are you guys doing? <laughs> we, we kicked off. Do I need to kick you guys off? You know, since we're here, no, no. let's let's just yeah, get let's, rolling. Who is this kid over it. here? Who's underneath What's you, Jason? Up? Drew, um, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Uh, so for I want them to let me do that. Everybody, this is Drew. He is a, he is one of our apprentices in my program. Um, and so real quick, uh, Drew, you were working at a company called JCI, right? And what was your official title there? Yes, sir. I was working with uh, JCI Jones Contractors Incorporated. And um, I was actually a junior contractor, so uh, they were teaching me all about the uh, contracting and ways and how they operate on the construction site and everything they do. Yeah, awesome. And so um, when I was doing one of your evaluations, uh, they told me that you were um, not quite, I guess maybe in charge, but that you pretty much did the whole jump, the whole punch list for the third floor. Is that correct? Pretty much, yes, sir. And, and, how, yes. and how old are you? Uh, I'm 17, just turned 17. So. so at the time you were you were 16 years old and you're doing the punch list on the third floor of a $50 million project, right? Yes, sir. 50 70 plus, 50 plus. <laughs> yeah. So that, yes, that's sir. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Mike, you want to introduce, introduce us to uh, to your talent? I just gotta see something. Can you Brendan, can you just go at this real fast and just I want to see? Yep, that's who it is. That's who it is. That the shadow that we see is the is the host of the Wednesday, the second Wednesday of each month, 2152 podcast, Brinley Ray Horton. Tell us who you are, what you're all about. Um, I'm excited to see you. Let's talk. All right. So I found the internship program through Happy Accident. The I was originally with a psychologist and it was super great, but I kind of came upon work-based learning. And now I'm taking over the second Wednesday of the 2152 project, where I'm excited to be sharing, collaborating with Drew, where we talk about student success, talent acquisition, everything to do with industry, education, and students. It's going to be something super exciting. Um, and I'm ready to get it rolling. That's for sure. And Brinley's going into the... She's going into the human service fields, right? Mm -hmm. Which includes uh, counseling and workforce development. That's not something mm -hmm. that a lot of people recognize, but Brindley is uh, a workforce development intern for the Wash K-12 internship program out in a lovely town called St. George, Utah. Yeah, wow. St. George, Utah. <laughs> Drink it in. Brindley, <laughs> how, how old are you? I just turned 17 as well. So, so we have, Mike, again, this is not, ringing the bell for our programs this is just wanting to show people we're talking about access to talent we're talking about talent retention we're talking about competitive advantage to bring these two young people in they are no doubt special they're talented they're gifted um i think what sets them apart is they may have a little bit different drive than most of the other kids we have but the purpose of 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 having them do the episode and the happy accident of them popping in here today is we can 
illustrate, we can, you know, catalog, this is the type of talent that's available for industry in our school systems across the country, whether it's Brinley, who is good gracious going into workforce development. How many, how many high school kids do you know who have a passion for workforce development? Um, and the cool part about that was that wasn't her intention. She actually came to your program and was with a psychiatrist. Um, and through, through seeing what you do, Mike, she said, what? I want to be, I want to be a little, I want to be a mini Mike and I want to, I want to do workforce leader. development and I want to right. do talent acquisition. I want to do partnerships. And so, so through internships and work-based learning, she actually was able to change her field. Right. And then yeah. the story of Drew, who is an engineering background and, and through our, our, um, our STEM programs and our CTE programs in Georgia, got one to do construction was placed as a junior contractor as a 17 year old student and his placement affirmed what he wants to do. So two students working on a project to help us, Brinley, her, her exposure helped her change her position. Drew's, Drew's exposure helped him affirm his position. I mean, I mean, what an amazing story for us to be able to just to highlight them. So guys, we'll shut up, Brinley, you Drew, tell us, um, tell us what you're gonna be doing next Wednesday uh, and walk us through through what we can look at, what we look forward to, what we can expect from y'all. Well, first, I just want to add on what you're saying. I think that's the beautiful thing about internship programs, especially with work-based learning. It's just that I am a very indecisive person. There's a lot of people out there who are probably similar to I am. So it gives students the opportunity in order to find something else aside from what they've been growing, like growing up with in order to think that they're going to do that for their career. So yeah. um, I just want to add that. But for next week, I actually um, want to talk about the students. This is a great way to leeway into passing the baton over to us. Um, the 2152 project is especially important to me because it is an opportunity for Drew and I to be here as voices for the rest of the students to say like, hey, we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of opportunity and the will and drive to do great things and to make this these internship programs across the country thrive. So that's what we're gonna be started out with. The 2152 project next week for the second Wednesday of each month is gonna be get out of our way. That's what I called it. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. I love it. it. So yeah. I love it. Um, I'm excited. I am very excited. Um, Drew, do you want to add anything? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great, I think this 2152 project will be great for especially like incoming people, incoming students who are starting to be able to drive and can go off and uh, for example, like kind of like you, like they don't, they don't know what they want to do yet, but they want to get out there and they want to learn more. So I think, I think that this, this project and work-based learning, not only in like but Austin, but everywhere, like around the country. So I, I really think this this project will if students will listen and and they'll learn from us learn from our mistakes and and help them uh achieve what they want so yeah that's awesome well i'm excited to have you both on board i know mike is um i'm excited for you to speak not just to students but also to speak to industry i mean how uh how could industry watching this episode not be impressed with what these just turned 17 year olds are doing in non-traditional fields 17 year olds don't, don't work in workforce development they're not junior contractors um but you both have been able to step up and 
And I know Mike and I trust you uh, unconditionally with, with this project and something that Mike and I have, have spent a lot of time on <laughs> and it's very important to us. And, and we're turning over uh, a whole a whole episode a month to you. And we're pumped about that because I know if you do it half as good as you've done your placements with us in industry, uh, it's going to be a home run. It's going to be a home run. So anything else that y'all want to say before we, uh, before we conclude? Mike, anything else you want to have them do? Of course. Ridley Drew, I'm excited for you guys, for reals. Like, I'm super excited for both of you. Um, Ridley's got a cool thing that she's doing. And, and I don't want to ruin it, but I will say this, that if I was an employer and I'm looking to find talent quicker, I would tune in on the second Wednesday of next month and the second Wednesday of every month. Brindley's developing a process that Drew's going to be, you know, definitely involved in. And the two of them are going to be showing the employers how to get access to talent quicker, faster than ever. And um, at the end of the day, I'm excited to see how this thing plays out. So thank you both yeah. for your participation and helping out. That sounds good. Now we got to kick y'all out because we got we got to finish our episode. Uh, I think I think it's the opposite. <laughs> We're kicking you guys out. Hey, <laughs> That sounds good. Nice. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, we'll catch up Wednesday soon. Each month. That sounds good. Yeah, we'll catch up soon. Hey, have a good day, guys. Take care. Mike, so, wow. Mm. I mean, that's... They make me happy, don't they? They're like, there's just, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. And that's... So I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't remember what we were talking about. I think we're talking about schools as an obstacle, but who cares? Yeah. You just saw, you just saw what talent looks like. Um, you just saw what those kids can do. Um, mm -hmm. man, I mean, I don't know if I can say it enough. I mean, they just turned 17 and they're, mm -hmm. they're working in fields that are just so atypical for students of that age, which yeah. takes a couple of things, it takes an employer with vision and it takes an employer with a strategy to retain that talent. Um, and at least capture that talent while it's available. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. There are not many times I'm speechless, Mike. I don't, I don't know how to follow that up. I don't know what yeah. to do. So um, moving forward uh, on that second Wednesday, that's going to be a solution-based um, opportunity for employers to realize how to recruit and, and fix a little bit of their inside PR stuff. Um, and on the fourth Wednesday, when, when you, that's when you guys can see us as well, both Jason and I. And, yeah. and we're all about just providing um, talent solution opportunities for, for industry across, across the nation. Yeah. Well, we know what a great place to end it. Great day um when mm. went some places we didn't expect uh but that's the organic nature of the 2152 project uh i know that we'll have some plenty of uh content to, to cut up and put out i will post the full episode as usual on youtube and apple podcast um just the audio version so mike i'm done i don't have anything else to offer man today anything else you want to offer before we close that's it thank you so much man like like always it's been a pleasure yes sir i said we'll catch up soon um and uh to everybody else who's, who's watching thanks for your support uh and and make sure you tell your business partners make sure you tell your friends who own businesses that you just saw the future of workforce and and it's bright it's bright yeah. and you get access to that talent through your local work-based learning coordinator uh whether you're in georgia or 2152 miles apart in utah utah so thank you all for, for tuning in you'll have a great day bye mike we'll hey. catch up soon